0: Before we come to the table, I want you to keep your Bibles open to that text that was read, because it is full. It is full of the incarnation. John begins this chapter by saying, Behold, what kind of love is this, that God should send his Son into the world, as a baby, what kind of a love is this? There is no love like this in the world, um, and and and. I am thinking of the shepherds. After the angels appeared to the shepherds to tell them what had happened, the shepherd turned to one another and said, "Let us go to Bethlehem to see this great thing that has been told to us by the angels." And have you ever thought of it? They left their sheep, they left their lunches, they left whatever they took with them on work that to work that day. And remember that the shepherds kept sheep for the, the, the sacrifices of, of uh, the, the, the priest in the Old Testament. But they were, the news was so great so moving, that they decided to go and see if it was really so or not. I love that. Because this is the 28th of December. Don't we put up the Christmas lights after the 25th? Don't we move everything into their their places? And don't we get the vacuum cleaner and vacuum up all the little things that came off the tree? Don't we say, okay, let's get on with life because what we were celebrating is past. John is writing this epistle some 80 to 90 years after the event. And it is still fresh in his mind. He didn't forget it because it happened so many years ago. But we tend to forget after two days. Someone has said this, the older we get, the more difficult it is to make us wonder. You remember the things that made you wonder as a child? But the older we get, the less we become moved by things. I told you that my children got me a new Mac computer and my daughter has never had so many calls from me. (laughs) It's quite different from what I was doing before. And she's been so good. She said, Dad, I know that it'll take some time for you to get used to this machine. Things happen and come on that screen. I thought, where did that come from? It's a wonderful machine. And we are more moved by the ability of that. that and, and you know what I like about this Mac? It's so light. The other one, you almost needed a bar, you know, to, to, to. But not this one. It's just so light. But when, when you open that thing, it is such an amazing thing what you can do with it. Someone, someone has put it this way. Think this through. If I can shave with an electric razor, why do I need to think about miracles? We have almost everything to amuse us, to amaze us in the world in which we now live. But the birth of Jesus Christ has come to do something much deeper and lasting in our lives, which if we miss that, if we put it away, if after the 25th we simply, unlike the shepherds, let's go and see. Let's see if there is something to this announcement that can make my life as a shepherd more meaningful than it has ever been before. share with me a few minutes before we come to the table two reasons for the incarnation it has to do with what Jesus did in coming it has to do with what Jesus is doing in praying for us in heaven and it has to do with the fact that Jesus has given us a life because he has come that is quite different from the life we lived before he came. What is the necessity of the incarnation? You know the word incarnation means the, the changing of God to man. The Son of God who existed in eternity is a part of the Godhead came to earth and he came as a babe in Bethlehem. Therefore the song Mary did you know. Let me share with you two, I could share more than two but only two, the incarnation breaks the power of sin in my life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Anyone who practices sin is of the devil, but for this reason Christ appeared. Some translations say appeared, or some say manifested. It's talking about the, the miracle of His coming. He came that he might break the power of sin in our lives. You know this, says John, as he spoke to them, that he came to do something about that thing morally that controlled our lives, that make us ugly in our behavior to ourselves and to one another. Notice he says he came... That he might take away our sins. Do you think of that babe in the manger able to deal with our moral and ethical problems? That's exactly what he said. In the prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 9, the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government of your life and the government of my life and the government of nations. When they, when they see in that babe in Bethlehem, that's why when the, the wise men came, do you remember what they asked for? Where is he who is born king? Not he who will become king. Somehow the magi's realized that that little babe in the manger existed before his place in a manger. He existed in, in eternity before there was time, as we said on the third Sunday of Advent. And so when he came, he didn't come so that I might get a new computer. He didn't come so that my son would get, and, and they brought us some wonderful things for Christmas. And I, I sat in, in Albany Christmas morning along with my wife and my family, and I looked under the Christmas tree, ate Feet tall, covered with lights, under the Christmas tree, all kinds of stuff. Oh my word. And as I sat watching, LJ getting his, Colby getting hers, Lois getting hers, Heather getting hers, I, I sat there and I kept saying to myself, Lord. Help us not to think that this is all there is about Christmas. It was wonderful. But the danger is that the gifts might become greater to us than the giver. The danger is that the gift might become the ultimate purpose. John says the reason Christ appeared, the reason He left heaven. And you know, have you ever thought of this in the Christmas season? Have you ever thought of this, that when Jesus came on earth, there was a missing member of the Trinity? Think of that. And he did it so that he can come into our world to do something to give us a moral foundation by which we can live. You know, if you're an atheist, you might say, well, I am still thankful. But you can only feel thanks if there is someone you recognize who has given you something. You can't say thanks if there isn't anyone there to receive your sense of gratitude. So when we say thanks to God for His Son, we're saying that something happened outside of ourselves that came into our world and did something for us so that we might have a different kind of lifestyle with which to live, a foundation that makes it possible for us to know right from wrong to behave in the world in a way that will cause the world to realize that there is a God and that we are not the authors of our own morality. I want you to see something else, not only what the incarnation did as a necessity, but listen to what John said. John said, For this reason Jesus came into the world, that he might take away sins, and then he said this, And we know that in him there is no sin, not one iota of sin. Let me ask you a question. Do you know of anyone who has never sinned? Think of that. Do you know what sin is? Sin is when I want to rule my life in spite of what God says. Sin is when I become my own God and not God. I never, I never made myself. I don't give myself life. He created me. He came into the world to show how much he loved me, having created me. And even though we face things every day, uh, my wife and I were talking about that this morning, I said, there there are, Jesus said in Matthew 5, you have heard it said you should hate your, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you to love your enemies and pray for those that you don't like. And I said to my wife, there is a politician that I don't like. And Jesus is telling me to pray for that one. My friends, because of the incarnation, I can. He came and he lived before a politician that just did all kinds of nasty things to Jesus. He flogged him. He caused people to spit in his face. And when Jesus was on the cross, you know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Think of that. Let me tell you, I remember my my little girl, she's still my little girl, but she's 45. I was driving her to school. She was in grade 6. And on the news, there was a report of someone who molested a little girl in the schoolyard. And and Heather looked at me as I was driving her, and she said, Daddy, what would you do if someone tried that with me? Would you preach to them? I said yes when I'm finished. (laughs) And I explained that. But my friends, we can't think of anything bad happening to us but that we want revenge. And God made us. He created us. We sin against Him. And God doesn't look for revenge. You know what He says? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's possible, my friends, because the sinless Christ came to die for those who were sinners. You and me. We don't have anything to God we can say, look at what I have done. No religion in the world has forgiveness as as a part of its very breath, its life as Christianity. No religion at all. The purity of the Incarnation Only a sinless Savior could die for sinners, and that's what Jesus did. Let me quickly go to the Incarnation. breaks not only sin's practice in our lives, and when we come to the communion table, we're saying to him, thank you so much for coming and dying so that I don't have to live a life of sin, a life of crime, a life of hate, a life of deceit. I can live like you live because you now live. In me. But I want you to see something else in this text. Chapter 3 and verse 5 says, He came to take away sins. That is what we do. You do it, I do it. But I don't practice sin. You don't practice sin. If you belong to Him, it says, No one who has seen Him practices sin. I make better choices of my life now that Christ is my Savior. Now, John says something in verse 8. In verse 8, he said this. Anyone who practices sin, practices sin not because they found that they can sin being a child of God, but they sin because that's what the devil leads them to do. And you know, That the Son of God, now he doesn't say he, but the Son of God. Who was it that was in the manger? It was the Son of God. And why was he in the manger? He came, my friends, not only to deal with what we do, but he came to deal with why we do it. You remember Flip Wilson? Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. In a sense, he was right. You read verse 8. The scripture says the reason we do bad things is because the devil was a liar from the beginning. Do you lie? That's part of what the devil does. (laughs) I I have to be careful here now because what I want you to understand, my friends that lying is the most natural thing for any human being. The most natural thing, it's a part of our DNA. We have two children, they're born 15 years apart. And I I remember Christopher did something wrong. And I said, which was a dumb question to ask by the way. I said, who did this? Who did this? It was dumb because he was the only child in the room. (laughs) And you know what he said? My brother. (laughs) My brother? Where did he come from? (laughs) Now, if he had said, my father, that would have been a difference. Because he got it from his father. My friends, I remember as a, as a young preteen and teen, I lied to my mother like you would not believe it. I, I mean, I will not tell you how. There are a couple of kids in here that might want to try it later on. I don't want to happen. <laughs> Lying was a natural thing for us. I'll leave politics out of it. Why? Because behind every sinner is the chief of sinners called the devil. And we live in a world so sophisticated, we do not believe that such a creature existed. But Jesus did. Jesus confronted the devil in the wilderness because the devil is the one who causes us to lie, who causes us to cheat, who causes us to murder The devil is the one behind the difficulties we're facing in life today. The scripture says the whole world is controlled by the spirit of rebellion against God. The devil is the chief cause, my friends, of it. And listen to what our text says. That Jesus Christ came into the world to destroy the works of the devil. You are not smart enough to overcome the devil. I am not smart enough. The only time the devil cringed, you read the whole of Scripture, the only time the devil cringed was when he came face to face with Jesus Christ. Only the Son of God can make the devil say, I give up. In Matthew 1, 20, Mark one twenty four, when Jesus met the demonic man, He said, I know who you are. You are the Son of God. You have come to destroy us. That's the only time the devil ever cringed was when he came face to face with Christ. No one, Adam was not able to make him do that. David was not able to overcome his temptations. I have not been able to overcome until the day I surrendered to Jesus Christ because he took care not only of what I did, but why I did it. And my friends, when we come to the table, that is what takes place. The Son of God came into the world to destroy the grip that Satan had on me. The, the, the grip that, that, just, that just, a lie just flows from my lips. Just like that. As if I was made to do it. And when Jesus Christ came home to my life, the works of the devil stopped I am not saying I don't sin, I don't practice sin. I don't have some secret life I'm living. Each day of my life now, I seek to live to please Him because when He came, He came not only in a manger, but one Good Friday, He came into my heart. And having been my Savior, He keeps me now from wanting to sin, but to love God and to please Him. We sang a song this morning. And I don't know that we paid attention to it. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations sing. Listen to the next line. He comes to make his blessings felt far as the curse is found. The, what's the curse? Curse is what happened when God cursed Satan. Satan and the ground, and when he disciplined Adam and Eve and evicted them from the garden, something happened to the whole creation that was only possible by the coming again of Jesus Christ to redeem, to redeem, to buy back, if you please, by shedding his own blood on the cross, that which was lost when sin entered the world. As far as the curse is found, It means, my friends, that whatever sin you or I would be guilty of today, Jesus Christ can forgive that sin. It doesn't matter what it is because he comes to make his blessings fail far as the curse is found. And one day the heavens will open and Jesus is going to come again And he will take care of business which was started in the manger and will end at the throne of God. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you will be a part of that. Not not because of who you are, but because you trusted in him. And by trusting in him, you will know that the incarnation was the beginning of God's work for the glorification of his son with the church of Jesus Christ.